Well, good morning again, and thank you, Dean, for that wonderful prayer. Hey, if you're having struggles in your prayer life, you don't know what to pray for. My wife and I were just looking at this. What an amazing prayer list. And this covers just about, in fact, there's even some people we know in this list from other churches, like Pastor Mark Runner over at Hope Hacienda, who is still recovering from, um, from bladder cancer. And just, I mean, what a, what a great comprehensive prayer list. Boy, you put this down at night and kneel before that. Well, you kneel before the Lord um, and pray this list. What a, what a great, great opportunity. And as Dean mentioned and Brenda's mentioned and others have mentioned, uh, we need to pray for our church here, our, this church family in this transition. At the end of the service, I know they've opened, we've opened the altar you know, already once. Well, heaven help us if we open the altar again. But at the end of the service, I'm going to invite anybody that can and is able or is wanting to to come to the altar and offer yet another prayer that God will guide this church, the church board, and bring the person that he has chosen for Longmont to this congregation. But we know that the church family is more than just the pastor. So you, we want to thank, of course, that, I mean, what, a, what a great... Um, praise and worship team today. What a great opportunity, uh, great music from there. Uh, Our greeters, your ministry leaders, all of those individuals. That is the church. The Bible says the church is a body and everyone is a member and they must do what they're called to do and what they're gifted to do. And no, this isn't the message. You're getting a free one before the real one. So how about that? Also, many of you know that I do have a tendency to go on tangents and sometimes I find my way back to the original point. Others, we just leave it hanging there and we come back and we we start all over again. But the Bible says that we are all members of the body and everybody can't be an eye and everybody can't be an ear. We do what God has called us to. And there's so many opportunities within a church family to contribute and to minister um, and to help and to grow the kingdom. So that's what we pray. We pray just for an entire, just a a, a coming together uh, of hearts and minds to move forward and then pray that God will, of course, bring the individual as your new pastor. This will be the fifth time I've done this, working with the transition of a congregation, and so we just, we, Debbie and I have a heart for that, and we just want to pray that this will, will happen, and happen quickly, but happen in God's timing. Oh, if only God's timing and our timing were the same. I can't think of, I don't know, half a dozen times where his timing and mine was in sync. But we're always, of course, at the mercy, literally at the mercy of God's timing. So today, uh, we know there's a, I promise we'll get out by 4.30 uh, so that you all can go to, uh, to watch the Super Bowl or as they call it, the big game if you don't have the rights to say the word Super Bowl. You'll notice people refer to it as the big game because we, uh, we can't refer to it as Super Bowl unless you've been given, been given permission. So I haven't been given permission and I've said it twice already. Um, but I, I was, as you know, I have a, I have a favorite sermon. I've, I've preached it here before and that is the football sermon. Why the, how the Christian walk is like uh, a football game. And, of course, you have the, the playbook and you have the coach, which is the Holy Spirit. The playbook is the Bible. The field conditions are terrible. And, and I read this, they came across this passage in Timothy um, about soldier athlete, of course, athletes in there, and farmer. And I've read it and i put it away for, for years. And all of a sudden, the last few months, it's, it's come back to me. And it's like, you know what, why don't we take a look at those three aspects in the Scripture? So we're going to go to first to Second Timothy two, three, and seven, and it's going to be soldier, athlete, farmer. And here's what the passage says: Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, 
Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown unless, except by competing according to the rules. And finally, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. And I read that verse and went, okay, there's a direction. Reflect on what he's saying, and the Lord will give you direction. So, the first, the first one that he mentions is, as Christians, we are a soldier. And folks, we know that we are in a spiritual battle. If you, if you, if you, I, I saw the other day a posting that said, if you watch the news, you find out what's happening in the world today. If you read the Bible, you find out why it's happening. And that's where we are. Folks, we are in a spiritual battle. And the, the Ephesians is very clear about that. Be finally, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Do you think the devil's schemes are going on right now? In our own supposedly originally founded God-fearing country, the devil is going rampant. I saw another posting that said, Never stop praying because the devil never stops praying. P-R-E-Y. And so I thought, again, you're, I'm going to throw a lot of those out today. You're going, oh, I like that. Oh, I want to take that. No, just kidding. So the, the, the Bible says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Well, it's hard for us to not, not do the struggle against flesh and blood. I can tell you right now, there's a lot of people that I would just, you know, I'm praying, I'm going, okay, Lord, here's the list of people in Congress I want to be hit by a bus. You know, I, in our men's prayer group, they said, we said we should always pray for certain individuals. And I said, I do pray for them every day and for the bus driver that's going to hit them. And I, I just... We, we have a tendency to focus. My wife's already shaking her head. She goes, yeah, it only took him eight minutes to get into that. Um, we are, but we, we, have, we have no choice. We, we focus on the persons and the groups and the organizations and left, right, black, white, red, blue. But it's not human. We are, we are in a spiritual battle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I do a series on the spirit world, and I, in that I say, if, you put on, if we had spirit glasses, you know, spirit world glasses we could put on, and all of a sudden we have insight into the spirit world, it would give us a heart attack because of the demons and the angels fighting on our behalf. And you know, Even Daniel talks about angels being sent to Daniel, the, the, the God said an angel to Daniel Gabriel, and he had to fight a demon. The demon was stopping him from sending them, delivering the message. We are in a spiritual battle. If we could see the invisible spiritual world, it would probably give us, most of us, at least pause and shock at what was going on. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds are those things that Satan wants to build inside your life and surround areas that he doesn't want the Lord to get to. And we have a way of taking down strongholds. We demolish arguments, every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every captive, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. As Dean prayed, was there something this week that you needed to ask forgiveness for? And honey, I am going to need a glass of water. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> I thought I was good to go. I don't like... Thank you. It's a flower cup. Bless your heart.
home. Sorry. But we have to take every thought captive because Satan is going to take a thought and move it down the trail. You know, the thought becomes a, 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 a motive, becomes a, a character, becomes a habit, becomes a, becomes a habit, becomes a character. So we have to take every thought captive. So we are in a, in a, in a spiritual battle. And we, we, we grew up, I mean, I grew up singing Onward Christian Soldiers. You know, I mean, onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. Look at that. Lee's just singing it right back there. With the cross of Jesus going on before us. And also, I will never fight in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I will never fly or the enemy because I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. So we are soldiers. Maybe we don't think of ourselves as that, but we are soldiers. As a soldier, we need... Next slide. As a soldier, we need to realize, number one, that we are in a spiritual battle, not against flesh and blood. Number two, we have the armor of God... Next slide, please. We have the armor of God to equip us for battle. We have, you know, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, the breastplate of righteousness. God has equipped us. There's an old song by the group, The Imperials. Love The Imperials back in the 70s and 80s. Great song. And one of their songs was, Are we walking into the enemy's camp and laying our weapons down? Another one I saw in the Lord's Prayer, or uh, Psalm 23, uh, uh, a message in Psalms 23, and one of it says, Are we giving the enemy a seat at our table? Because remember the 23rd Psalm, another mini-message. The 23rd Psalm says, he, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. He doesn't invite the enemy to sit. God is preparing a table for you and him to sit. And the enemy's standing right there. He's not invited. And are we giving, are we inviting the enemy to sit at our table? Our weapons are not conventional weapons. They are divine. I tell you, if you were to look at our country today, you would say there is no hope for the Christian today. We have a target on our back. Conservatism is going out the window. If you talk about Jesus, if you talk about God, if you talk about sin, if you talk about heaven, if you talk about hell, we're not supposed to talk about those things in our culture because it's offensive. People don't want to hear our opinion anymore. They want to hear their opinion coming out of our mouth. And we have to understand that as a soldier, we have to be courageous. And our culture, it's, it was easy being a Christian 50 years ago. And I, I, I don't mean that you know, blatantly or, or lightly, but... The, the, the country was accepting of Christianity. There was churches on every corner. Now there's a liquor store and Starbucks on every corner um, and a Walgreens and a Waffle House. But I mean, they're, uh, they're, we, we grew up in an environment that was church and Christian friendly. Folks, it's not here anymore. We are in an environment in our country of a hostile environment towards godly believers and people living their life for Christ unashamedly. If you're not somehow feeling that, then you're, you're a stealth Christian. I hate that term. They go, well, I'm never going to persecute you because I'm a stealth Christian. You know what? They won't even know I'm a Christian. Okay, that's a shame. <laughs> that's a shame. And I know that the, other, the evil wants to build fear in us. And soldiers can't... They can experience fear, but they have to ask God for courage to overcome the fear. And a majority... A major part of the battle does take place in the mind. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, do not conform yourself to this world, 
but transform yourself by the renewing of your mind. We need to know that the battle takes place in the mind. So, you're going, I'm already tired enough, and, and you're, this was just the soldier part. we got two more to do. A corporal was heading back to camp in a jeep, speaking of soldiers. He came upon a colonel. This is a corporal. He came upon a colonel on the side of the road, standing next to his jeep. The corporal asked and said, Did your jeep break down, colonel? The colonel replied, Nope, yours did. Toss me your keys. <clears throat> a drill sergeant came upon a private who had skipped the morning exercise. The sergeant yells out, Private, I didn't see you at camouflage training today. Thank you, sir. Okay, anyway, okay. So, <laughs> let's move on to the athlete, as we are an athlete. I've preached a whole series on being an athlete. This is just focusing on what do we, what is our responsibility as an athlete for Christ. Do you not know that in all race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will last, that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, like Captain Jack Sparrow. I do not fight like a boxer just beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And in other, of course, the, the, the football analogy when we talked about going into training. We cannot afford, and here I am standing before you as an example of being one in great physical shape, we cannot afford to be spiritually flabby. We have to keep ourselves spiritually fit. You can't compete and run for the prize of God's calling for you in Christ Jesus if you're spiritually tired and out of shape. And how do you do that? Obviously, you read the Bible, you pray, you fellowship, you come to church, you minister, you give, you spend time alone. There are ten spiritual disciplines. I think maybe I might have to do a... I always do top ten lists. For those of you who know me, I always do top ten lists. There are ten spiritual disciplines that every Christian should practice. And I listed off about five or six of them right now. We have to keep ourselves spiritually fit. Otherwise, we won't be able to compete. We'll get halfway down the track and we'll fall down out of breath. And there's the prize. There's Jesus going, come on. I can, you can do it. And you're like, ah, you know what? I'm just too tired. This race, I didn't sign up for this. So we have to keep ourselves in spiritual shape. Maybe we're not always in physical shape. There are many of us have already broken all of our New Year's resolutions, you know, to get healthy, get fit. I mean, my New Year's resolution was i got to lose 20 pounds. I've only got 30 more to go. So I'm, I'm doing great so far. Second area in an athlete is understand that we're not alone in this. I love this passage. This is Hebrews 12. It comes right after um, Hebrews 11, which makes sense. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every sin that hinders us, everything that hinders us and sins that entangle us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked before us. And let us fix in our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, knowing what was coming. How many of us, if we were Jesus, well, if none of us would be Jesus, would by divine nature know what was coming 
And yet from his human side, he really didn't want to go. He prayed three times for God to take it away. He said, take this cup from me. That's the human side. I'm, the divine side is going, are you kidding me? I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be tortured, whipped, mocked, spit on. They're going to drive nails through my hands. I want to go through that. The human side says, absolutely not. The divine, loving God, Father, through Jesus Christ, second person of the Godhead, said, i got no choice. Because the joy set before him of knowing that he will save the entire human race, he endured what was, what was before him, the cross, scorning its shame, and then ultimately was sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I love, I wish this was the follow-up, but it's elsewhere in the Bible, so that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father. That's in Philippians. But that's passage in Philippians 2 that talks about what Jesus did, gave up His Godhead, His Godness. He didn't get rid of it, He subjected it, came down to become human and to show us the, the, God's, the, the Father's love. But He did it on purpose, He did it intentionally, and He did it willingly. How many of us would have done, I've said before, if I got up there with the nails in my hand, I'd have pulled a, a superhero Marvel thing, I'd have popped the nails out, risen up above this cross, and laser beamed everybody into ashes and said, I got no, I got no time for this. So you're lucky I wasn't Jesus because there wouldn't have been any perfect sacrifice at that point. So as an athlete, as a believer, we are to prepare and condition ourselves for the challenges we are going to face. Because mark my words, Mark, you heard this from Mark, mark my words, there will come a time that you will be required to stand up for Jesus. And you have to make that choice. And it won't be an easy one. You know, it won't be one that's easy. Go, okay, I can stand up for Jesus in front of a church. That'd be great. Oh, I can uh, give my testimony in a, in a, a, a Sunday school class or a small group. In the way this world is going, we are going to ultimately, someday going to have to take a stand for Jesus Christ in a not-so-friendly environment. And that's where it's going to get a little scary. But we're going to. We need to stay in shape spiritually. We need to stay in shape so that we can understand as we see things coming towards us, we are prepared because we are prayed up. You know, we are, we are in tune with the Father and the Holy Spirit. We've prayed for courage. We've, we've, we've fed on the Word so that we're, we're full, we're, we're nourished. We got, we've got strength because we've, we've, we've fed on the Word. We have to be prepared for what's coming. We have Old Testament fans. Oh, I, I didn't read that. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I did, since we were surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. I love that because the Hebrews 11 was the faith chapter about Hall of Faith, all the people that went through and, and showed faith. And it says, we're surrounded by those witnesses. The book of Peter and others say that the Old Testament prophets in the Old Testament did not understand what they were prophesying about. They had no idea what they were saying because it was only through us and through Jesus Christ and the New Testament church was all of that fulfilled. So we have a... I like to think that this is a stadium. And all the Old Testament prophets are going, Woo! You know what? We prophesied all this and now we see what's going on. You've got to win the race. You've got to finish the race. We set the stage. We built the stadium and now you're finishing the race in the name of Jesus and they're cheering us on. At least that's how I picture when it says we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And we need to understand that sin negatively impacts our ability to sin, our ability to compete successfully. We all have sin in our lives, but boy, we need to confess, come before the Lord, ask for forgiveness, ask for a pure heart, a pure mind, because sin will keep us 
from competing successfully. And finally, as an athlete, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. <clears throat> our pastor at Chapel Hill last week spoke about Peter. You know, compulsive Peter. He was always doing things, you know, spur of the moment, never thought it through, just boom. And that was one of the things that were kind of cool about Peter that I can relate to. You know, shoot from the hip and then, you know, ask for forgiveness later. Um, so a lot of things he did was incredible. Encourage, but he jumped out of the boat when Jesus was walking on the water. He jumped out of the boat. He said, well, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come on. Come on down, Peter. He jumped out and he started walking on the water. I don't know how many of us would have that kind of faith or courage. Immediately, he started to sink. It says he looked around and saw the waves and everything. And, of course, Jesus, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached and pulled his hand and got him back up on top of the water. And they walked back to the boat. And we were talking about, he was talking about the different ways. Why did Peter start to sink? You know, he let fear take over. Um, he, he was looking at the wind and the water. Maybe he couldn't swim very well. I'm sure he had to swim very well as a fisherman. Um, but I think the main reason that he started to sink was he took his eyes off Jesus. And this verse tells us we've got to keep our eyes on the prize. <laughs> There's a bumper sticker. If we keep our eyes on the prize, we have to, when we take our eyes off Jesus, that's when everything else starts to take over and, and cause us fear because we've taken our eyes off of Him. And finally, the farmer. <clears throat> Many of you can relate. I know I was, uh, Debbie and I had a chance to pastor in Yuma, which was a two hour and 15 minute drive out for us every, uh, every Sunday, two hour and 15 out and back. And I met a lot of great farmers. I learned more about irrigation. And millet, is it millet or mullet? It's millet. And crops and everything. It was just, it was an amazing experience to minister a guy from the suburbs, you know, who, who doesn't go camping, doesn't farm, who has to have a Starbucks on the corner and in, stays in a hotel roughing it for me is when there's, the ice machine is on a different floor. That's roughing it for me. So, you know, and, and I learned so much from these, these farmers. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in his harvest field. And if you look around, folks, people are scared about what's going on. The condition of the world, our economy, financial, emotional, relational, all of you, they're scared. The field is ripe. We need workers. It's ironic that the Bible even talks about having a worker shortage and we're experiencing one in our country now, right now, but the Christian faith, the ministry of the kingdom is experiencing a worker shortage. Deb and I went to a restaurant the other night and we, 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 we got there early, we had reservations, got there early. He says, you're, you're, um, you're early, would you mind waiting? I said, no. He said, good, could you take these drinks to table four? So... And I did miss my athlete joke. I just realized that, so I'm going to go back to that. So, we know what's going on. The Super Bowl is coming up this afternoon, 4.30. Anyway, four Broncos fans were bemoaning last season. You're going, nah, are you kidding me? You're absolutely going to do a Broncos joke. Four Broncos fans were bemoaning the last season. And the first fan says, you know what, I blame the general manager, George Payton. It's his fault. He's the general manager. He's the one that caused everything last season. Second fan says, I blame Coach Nathaniel Hackett. And when we got rid of him, but I blame him because it's his fault. He's the coach. Third guy says, I blame Russell Wilson. 
$250 million mistake. It's his fault that we had such a lousy season. Fourth guy says, I blame my parents. And they look at him and they go, why do you blame your parents? He says, well, if I'd have been born in Kansas City or Philadelphia, I'd be rooting for a better team. <laughs> so, anyway. So, so as farmers, the, we are called to the harvest. There are people that need to know the Lord. Again, I go back to the 70s and 80s. You know, I have, I'll, I'll just break out in song every now and then. But there was a song, People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of the day, people need the Lord. So as farmers for God, farmers for God, farmers for Jesus, get that on a t-shirt, we have to look to the harvest and be ready to go when God calls us. Secondly, I planted the seed... Apollos watered it. This is Paul uh, talking to the Corinthians because Apollos was another great Bible teacher. We don't see a lot about Paul. Um, Priscilla and Aquila uh, trained Apollos, uh, uh, brought him up in the doctrine. And Apollos went on. He was a great teacher. And people were, were, were starting to compete about whose ministry they were under. Got saved under. I got saved under Paul. Well, I got saved under Apollos. And they're wearing T-shirts. I got saved under Paul. You know, Team Apollos. And and finally, finally, Paul said, No, 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 no. That you, that's not how it goes. It says, I planted the seed. In, 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 in some instances, I planted the seed. Apollos watered, and so now God is making it grow. Or in the King James, God gave the increase. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. So our job isn't to save anybody. Our job is to present the gospel, to present our personal testimony, to love individuals, and, it's, and, and, and God will take care of the rest. We are, our job is to plant the seed. You know, and maybe someone else will come along and water it. Maybe, maybe you've witnessed to someone and that's all you did. You never see the fruits, but you never know until you get up to heaven. That's one song I will not sing is Thank You, Lord, by Ray Bolts, because I will bawl my eyes out. But you know what song I'm talking about. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I was the life that was changed because you did something. See, it's already starting. You did something that you never saw the result. You planted that seed. And it flourished and someone else watered it down the road and I became a Christian because of what you did and you never even saw the, the, what, the result of what you did so some plant, some water but it's God who's going to give that increase and finally the last be patient then brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop Patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring harvest, spring rains. So you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. As you know, I, I teach a prophecy series and may have chats with some of you or the church board to see if we want to dibble into that a little bit in the next, next 10, 12 weeks. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a student of biblical prophecy. I believe we are in the last days. I believe we're in the last of the last days and I love to talk about that at different churches and I do a, a prophecy workshops and it's like, you know, we are at a point where it says at the end of this, it said, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Many of us would love it to be the rapture would become first before the seven years, but the rapture may be somewhere in, in the seven years. But we have to prepare at any time to stand up for the Lord and be ready for His return.
He wants us to come back like the servants that he left. The master went and came back. He wants to come back and find us being faithful. Keeping the farmer analogy, he wants to come back and find us working the fields and going after the harvest and planting the seeds of the gospel or watering someone who just became a Christian and discipling them and watering them. So as a farmer, believers need to understand we are called to be a witness and make disciples for Christ. The world, the harvest is ripe and the workers are few. We are part of a process of sowing and reaping along with other believers. It's not all on our shoulders, but we need to do our part. Our responsibility is to be obedient and let God do the rest. And finally, we need to be patient and diligent, realizing that the results or the harvest of our faithfulness will come in due time, and that's God's time. A farmer lost his favorite Bible when he was out hiking in the woods, was looking for a wayward lamb. Three weeks later, a sheep walked up to him, carrying the Bible in his mouth. The farmer couldn't believe his eyes. He goes, he looked at the pre- took the precious book out of the sheep's mouth and raised his eyes to heaven and said, "It's a miracle." And the sheep said, "Not really. Your name was written on the cover." Okay. Anyway, so as believers, we are called to be both soldiers and athletes and farmers. So let's close with prayer. I'm going to open the altar. I mean, the altar is always open. If you ever think it has to be open and closed with an invitation, you can always come down to the altar any time. You know, the altar is open. If you feel, it makes you feel closer to God, but we know that you can, you can pray in your pew, in the, in the pew. But I just want to create a time right now that we can pray specifically for the direction of our church, the direction that God is leading for the church board, for our ministry leaders, to our um, the, 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 the greeters, the, the, the district superintendent, the candidates that God is raising up. We need to commit and give this to the Lord. That's where it starts, here at the altar, praying. And I know it's difficult sometimes to get down to the altar. Sometimes it looks like the longest walk in the world. But I'm just going to go ahead and give a couple of minutes. I don't know if you could just play some music lightly in the background. I'll pray over the music. I have no problem with that. But just, just to give a minute or two, if you want to come to the, to the altar and just, and just bring this church and this church family in the direction to the Lord. Just about 30 seconds of music and then we'll go ahead and... Oh, great. Thank you, Irene. Father, we just come before you now. Lord, we lift up Longmont Church to you. Father, we lift up, as I just said before in the introduction, we lift up the church board, the ministry leaders, everyone involved in keeping this church moving forward during this time of transition. We lift up the district ministry board. We lift up the Dr. Asker and the district superintendent. We already are praying, Father God, for the candidate that you've chosen. And as was mentioned earlier, we just let that candidate realize that. Father God, and may the calling and the clarity, the communication, everything come together. Lord, to provide the next person in this to lead this flock as a shepherd. 
God, we pray for your uh, divine protection. Because this is when the devil just loves to get inside and cause issues and divisions. We pray for unity. Father, of one heart and one mind and one spirit in moving forward. Father God, we ask that as we go from this place that we will do everything we do to glorify you, to grow your kingdom, to win the lost, to make disciples for Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in his wonderful and glorious name. And we look forward to his return. Amen. Have a wonderful day.